0: Everybody, my name is Bill Keeper, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So, join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I am really blessed that you decided to join us today. We are talking about something that I think is really important— in order for us to go forward as the body of Christ and fulfill what God has for us in our world. You know, we are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. Light means to bring forth the revelation of God's life, of God's will, of God's purpose for humanity. You know, we sometimes have a different agenda than God does. There's a lot of important things going on in the world today. There are a lot of important things in your life and in my life. They really are important. They're real. I don't mean to minimize them, but I want you to know that there is another agenda and that's God's agenda. And the most important thing to him is his Family. Now, that includes you. Glory to God. God is your Father, and He's looking out for you, and He's concerned about who you are, where you are, what you are, how old you are, what your needs are. Jesus said in in the framework of seeking first the kingdom of God, He says, your Heavenly Father knows the needs that you have. The Gentiles seek after all kinds of things in terms of the needs of life, and we have those same needs. Needs, but Jesus comforting, powerful, wonderful words were these: "God knows you have those needs, so seek first the kingdom, and all those things will be added unto you." God's agenda is His family. Now, on one side of that are those who uh, are already His family—you and me. If you've been born again and received Jesus as your Lord and personal uh, personal Lord and Savior, then you are in the family. Glory to God! But you know what? God wants more kids. There is a number. There are uh, in terms of how many people that God knows will be the full number that will come into his family and come into his kingdom. I don't know what that number is, and you don't know what that number is, and things are not going to end until that number is reached. But the thing that we need to remember is that along with all the things that are important to us personally, we need to remember that God's kingdom in his agenda It's just as important. He he loves you, and he loves me, but he loves those that he knows are going to come in. That doesn't mean he says you can come in and you can't. This idea of predestination does not mean God says some can be saved and some can. I really don't believe it does. God's not a respecter of persons, but it does mean God knows who will receive him, and he wants all of those children, every single one of them, to spend eternity with him. So that's part of his main agenda. And it should be part of ours. God loves you. He'll take care of you. Seek first the kingdom and all the things you need will be added. I'm going to tell you, we've done that for more than 50 years and God has been good. I mean, there have been times when it's been a little uh, sticky, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Things may not have worked out the way I thought they should. But overall, I look back on my years of service to Jesus Christ and my father has taken good care of me and my family. But now I want to understand and I need to uh, get solid in my life that he has more children. And part of the reason we're still here is that he wants all of those children to come in. So... We need to understand that God wants us. God has a purpose for us in the world today beyond just ourselves. All right, having said that, we've been talking about this idea that there is tremendous potential invested in every one of us who have been born again. God put himself in us. God put his spirit in us. God gave his word to us. God created us uh, in our initial creation in our mother's womb. He knew who and what we were. But when we were born again, that powerful creation in our mother's womb was energized by another kind of life, the life of God, the life of the Spirit. And so that's a tremendous potential that you have in you. Potential for what? Potential to serve God, potential to be the kind of a family member that you need to be, the potential to be the kind of worker that you need to be, but ultimately the potential to draw people unto Jesus, to fulfill the calling and destiny that every one of us has on our lives. And that involves reaching out to others as well as... As living in victory ourselves I really believe God wants us to be able to live in victory But there's more to it than that So we talked about this tremendous potential We talked about the fact that Jesus prayed for us And he said, Father, they are not of this world Just as we are not of this world Or I am not of this world, Jesus praying And he said, don't take them out of the world But protect them while they're in it We are not of this world And then last time uh, And we talked about a lot of things related to that But last time we got into this thought that we need to understand the reality of the supernatural. If we're not of this world, what world are we of? We're of another world. What world? The world where God lives, the world of the Spirit. There is a world that created this world. We are not the creator world. We are living in the created world. So where is the creator world? It's where God lives. It's where he, his power flows from. It's where we are of And so that's where our life is vitally joined to that other realm. And so we need to understand that there are indeed two worlds that we live in. The spiritual, the, the, the supernatural, spiritual supernatural, let me put it that way, is real. And uh, I was kind of stumbling last time I was looking I'd pull up the wrong scripture and I kept stumbling over something looking for something and it's because I was in the wrong place. I want to read it to you today Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 listen to what it says and God raised us up Jesus raised us up together with Christ Jesus, and this is before verse 6, but that that's uh, the context. But he said, he raised us up together with Christ, and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up not raises us up or will raise us up he raised us up when in our salvation when we were born again in what jesus did in in uh giving himself for our redemption when we received it he raised us up to do what to sit together with him in heavenly places so we're in heavenly places right now we've been raised up and we're seated with him in heavenly places Now, how can that be true? Because we exist on two levels. I'm seated in Him. Now see, the reality of that is Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father and I'm in Christ. And so there is that aspect of that. I'm seated in Him. I'm seated in in His presence before the Father. I am in Him. So I am in that presence. And yet we still need to understand that that points to the fact that I exist here and I exist there. I am connecting two worlds. I am a spirit being. God Created me in his image and likeness. I, I am connected to the world of the Spirit, which is not just up there somewhere, but it's all around us as well. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4:18. while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for. Things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Things we cannot see, are t- I mean, that we can see, are temporary. What does that mean? It means they're subject to change. If there's one consistent reality about our natural life, It's going to change. It's going to change from day to day, month to month, year to year. We are not the same this year as we were last year. Our circumstances are not the same. That's why you can never be defeated by the words always and never as used by the devil. Now, when they're applied to God, they're good words, but when the devil tells you you'll always be this way, things will never change in your life. Those are lies because if there's one thing we know, it's going to change. Now, in the natural, it might change for the better, and it might change for the worst, but it's going to change. Things that can be seen are subject to change, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are the things that are not seen? The world of the spirit, our spiritual connection, connection to God. The Bible speaks of angels appearing in the earth. The Bible speaks of de- of demons in the earth. You can say, well, that's you know, that's not real, uh, because that's what we talked about last time. We are so focused on empirical evidence. If if What I see, what I hear, what I feel, what I can study, what I can prove scientifically, that's what's real. And yet, all over media, all over the world, there are all kinds of programs and shows and things about what the supernatural about ghosts, about vampires, about uh, about um, the nature of life, and and is there life after death? And trying to study that and prove it. Why do we? Why are we so preoccupied with supernatural things? Not because, as the world would say, that uh, we just can't cope with the fact that there is nothing more than this. No, we are preoccupied with it because it's real and innately. Humanity knows that there is more than what we can see, and the Christian was born again in order to be the connection, to be, uh, to be that place of, of connection between the invisible and the visible, the invisible which is eternal and the visible, which is subject to change. And we become the bridge. We become the channel. That's part of what our whole reason for being here is all about. Yes, God is concerned about our daily living, and there's an awful lot of time that goes by with nothing special happening, but we are here to be a channel of the supernatural to the world, and that's where our great potential is drawn from. So we talked last time just about the fact that all these supernatural things, they really do exist, Paul said, if Christ was not raised, we are of all men most miserable. Now, that's talking about the resurrection of the dead, but that points to the fact that there is a supernatural part of this thing, and if there isn't, We're wasting our time. If there isn't, if this is just a good philosophy, there's a lot of good philosophies, but if there is an eternal God, if there is a supernatural realm, if there is a heaven, and if there is a hell, then everything rides on our understanding of that truth and being able to access that, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. Don't be selfish and live just a natural Christian life. Be unselfish and seek for a connection. Seek to become a channel for that supernatural, for your life, for your family, but more important, for the people around you. I want to read a a scripture today, and then I want to just talk to you a little bit about uh, some of my experiences over the many, many years that I've served God. Galatians 3, 1 through 3, I want to read this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Paul is talking to this Galatian church, and he says, you're foolish. Why are they foolish? He says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Now, he's talking about the law there. But he's also talking about the flesh. He's talking about the natural. The law is something that we can do in the natural. That's why as much as we, uh, as Christians, as spirit-filled people and, and born-again people, we complain and say, well, we're not bound by the law. And yet we continually gravitate back towards Uh, a a formula, a system, we feel comfortable there because in the natural, we know what to do. In the Old Testament law, if I sinned, I offered this sacrifice. I can grasp that, I can understand that. But as a Christian, Paul says to them, do you think you're going to finish this thing off or be made perfect by the flesh? Didn't you start out in the spirit? Didn't you start out not knowing anything of the natural In relation to the things of God, didn't you start out by knowing something inside instead of knowing something in your mind? Because if you didn't start there, there's a problem. And I believe that every one of us needs to remind ourselves that we did not get born again in the flesh. One of the things that I see as a real issue in the body of Christ is too many people who went up front, uh, repeated a prayer. I don't have people repeat prayers anymore. I'll tell them this is what it says in the Bible. Romans 10, 9, and 10 is a good one. And I'll say this is what it takes to get saved. Now, I'm not going to pray and have you repeat a prayer because it really doesn't matter if you get every word right. You pray you ask Jesus to come into your heart. You confess him as Lord. If you do that from your heart, you're going to get saved. I think there are too many people didn't do that. And so they're walking around acting and trying to be saved, trying to act saved, but they never, they never got saved. They never had an encounter with God. One of my prayers is that we get renewed in our encounter with God. Because when I got saved, I didn't get saved because somebody convinced me. As a matter of fact. Uh, I was saved very young in my life, and 14, although it was, took a while for me to really walk it out uh, until I got filled with the Holy Ghost. But uh, I did get saved. I know I, I met Jesus, and the truth of it is, I was going to a, a Christian youth group that my wife, future wife, drugged me to. I didn't know about it, but I ended up there. And so uh, I, I used to like to argue with them, and I always won the arguments. The thing is, I lost the war because God did something in me. God touched something in my spirit. God caused me to be born again. If there's one thing I knew, I knew that something inside of me had changed. I didn't know the words to put to it. I didn't know the theology behind it. Frankly, I didn't care about the theology behind it. I just knew that I had met Jesus and he changed my life from the inside out. We cannot, if we have not begun in the spirit, if you didn't get saved and have an encounter with God, I want you to do something. Just go ask Jesus. Lord, help me to get to that encounter. If if there's something that I can, I can solidify in my salvation, I'll lead people, I'll ask people to pray the prayer of salvation again, even if I think they might well be saved, because you can't get hurt by saying, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your sacrifice as the sacrifice for my sin. And I receive you and confess you with my mouth as the Lord of my life. I give myself to you. You never can be hurt hurt by praying that again, even if it worked the first time. Listen, I think we need to pray that a little bit, uh, kind of frequently in our lives. And whenever there's a point of crisis, it wouldn't hurt you to just do that again because it solidifies that I am in the spirit. I am a part of God's family. I have been born again. I am not just natural, I am spiritual. The eternal lives in me. And so uh I feel like there's something that's happened. Now, that that's where I started. I got born again. I was 14 years old. Uh it wasn't I didn't go forward at a church service or anything like that. Uh, it was a little bit evolutionary for me, but as I went to this youth group, as I grew up Catholic, uh, I, I wasn't a good Catholic. We went to you know the Confirmation and the First Communion and that sort of thing, but we didn't go to church every week. I went to church m- maybe more than my parents, particularly at this point in my life, but I didn't know anything about being born again. And somewhere along the line, I remember saying to my wife, we were in the Methodist Church in Frankfurt, New York. We were having some kind of youth group, and we were in line to get food. And I remember it. Now, see, that? why would I remember it so vividly if it wasn't real? I remember saying to my future wife, I guess I believe what you do now. Now, that's, that doesn't sound like a very profound statement, but I knew that something had happened in me. And I was declaring that I believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord. Sometimes we get too hung up on how we say the words and not nearly hung up enough on what's coming from the heart. And so we got born again. I, I I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 17 years old, spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Had never even heard of that before. But I, I yielded my life to God. God led me supernaturally into an encounter with somebody, and they led me into this thing called being filled with the Holy Ghost and I believe in that today. It's de-emphasized in the church world right now and I think it needs to get re-emphasized because I know that's when the energy... The, I was I know I was born again before that but I couldn't couldn't really live it. once I received the Holy Ghost into my life and I gave him free reign that's when and I was filled with the spirit and spoke with other tongues I'm not ashamed to say it I speak in tongues Hallelujah that's when something was unlocked in the inside of me and I received the power almost overnight to stop being afraid to be a Christian and start to be a Christian in front of my friends. And I started ministry right away. I started a Bible study in my school. They started calling me preacher. Before that, I had a bad mouth. I was an athlete and in the locker room. I, I Man, I tell you what, I, I'm not offended by anything anybody says because I said it too. But uh, I, I found the power to get by that because I'd connected to something supernatural. Over those early years, we we just simply believed in things we didn't know a lot. Now I want you to understand something. I believe in learning. I'm a teacher more than anything else. I love to dig into the Word of God, and I think a lot of our problems are because we have never become founded and 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 sta- uh, established, stabilized on the Word of God and what the Word of God says. I'm not too big on other kinds of. Of education, although I'm not against them, I think you know it's good to learn about anything, but we need to be founded on the Word of God. Our foundation needs to be firmly established on the Word of God, and I believe every Christian needs to do that. Every pr- Christian needs to get there. But something happens. Over the course of years, now when we first were born again, we didn't know anything about anything. We got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was during the charismatic renewal and a whole lot of people. We went from a youth group of about five or six to a youth group of 20 to 25 in a small town in upstate New York. And we'd get together and we'd have our little business meeting and invariably somebody would raise a hand and say, can we pray in tongues now? And so we'd pray in tongues. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't We didn't have all of the biblically established truths and, and all of the, the doctrinal. We weren't arguing about whether tongues was of, of the devil or not. I'll tell you that because we knew it wasn't. We didn't know why it wasn't. We didn't know why it was of God, but we knew inwardly, in the Spirit, inside of us, we knew that we were filled with something that came from God. And so we we began to believe things. We just we just would do things. We would accept things. And then as time goes on, you and me both, we grew up. Isn't it wonderful? And I believe important that we grow up in Christ. God doesn't want a whole bunch of little babies running around. He wants some mature sons and daughters. But in our becoming mature, we need to be careful that there's not something we lose. Now, I I was part of a stream of ministry. I won't talk about who they were cuz it'll offend some of you and and others of you be all excited, but it doesn't really matter. One thing I will say is that this was a group of people that really had a sense of the supernatural. Now, that's a good thing, but the downside of that sometimes is you get people who get out there in places that are not really God. When you're flowing in the supernatural, you're hearing from God. You're flowing with God. But if you're not founded on the word if you don't have good oversight in your life and 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 mature more mature Christians to help you along you'll find yourself in places that you don't belong and if you can't judge things by the word of god if you don't have enough word of god to judge things you will out, be out there in places that the word doesn't teach and so that's the balance we need both the spirit and we need the word but sometimes when we start getting the word in then the the reality of the spirit begins to to wane in our lives. So we begin more and more to look to the natural side of things, the natural study, the natural our natural understanding of the word. when all the time what we need to do is get those things in balance but never lose our childlike, childlike i'm going to differentiate between childlike and childish in a moment but we need to grab hold again of our childlike belief that things that we cannot see really are real that there really is a supernatural god that there really is a world out there that that is in in i don't know the right way to say in parallel in overlay of the natural world that there is a spiritual world that we have access to and so we we were childlike we accepted things when we got to be more mature, and the maturity was good, we somehow lost the childlike acceptance of what was supernatural. We began to know, for instance, I started three churches. By the time the third one rolled around, I still believed just as much in the supernatural, and we taught about the supernatural, and I believe we had a pretty good balance. And yet, even in our church that I thought had a pretty good balance, I have to say that we began to learn how to do things. We didn't need the Holy Ghost quite so much to run a service, and so you come to a place where you, you know, every church. You know, we were kind of wild and crazy, and and charismatics and Holy Ghost filled, and we danced, shout, and all that kind of stuff. And yet, even in our wild and crazy church, there was a certain way we did things, and most services were after the same pattern, and that's inevitable. You can't you can't get condemned for that. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But we need to be careful that we don't let that override that childlike belief that God could at any moment do something wonderful that is outside of our agenda that this this supernatural reality is there and that it's part of what we are and so sometimes as we grow we 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 learn how to do things we we learn what to expect we learn uh we learn how to receive in other ways other than by the Spirit, and there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, God moves in many, many ways through natural things, but don't forget the one thing that we have that no other organization can have. And I I really see a problem here right now with thinking that the right building, the right music, the right organization, the right financial approach, the right marketing, there's a lot of talk about a brand. Well, let me tell you what your brand is, folks. It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth and Him crucified. Hallelujah. And so, But there's talk about all this. Let's study the generations. Some of it is fine. A lot of it is good. It's good to do. But while you're doing it, remember something. There is a supernatural God. There is a supernatural warfare out there. There are demons and there really are angels and there really is a Holy Ghost and we really do have a connection to this supernatural, eternal, invisible God and He is real and that world is real and that part of our life is real. Don't ever lose that. Luke 18:17. Jesus says something where this is concerned. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You cannot learn your way into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That was a good one. You cannot learn your way into the kingdom of God. You cannot educate your way into the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, if you're not already in the kingdom, then most of the learning and education, even theological, doctrinal, even Bible learning will not help you if you're not already in because you won't see the things that God has you. I want you to see in in these things because it's not just the education or the learning. It's the learning and education and the Word of God, mostly in the Word of God, with the interaction of the Spirit. Can I just tell you that... The Holy Ghost lives inside of you. The author of the book lives inside of you, and he wants to give you insight. The Bible talks about that. I believe it's in 1 John. It says you have no need of a teacher. That doesn't mean we don't need teachers in the body of Christ, but he says you have an unction in you that will teach you what's right and wrong. If we ever lose the ability to tap into that place on the inside of us, then we're going to lose something in terms of our potential, our capabilities in the earth. We cannot lean to the natural things. We can use natural things. All of the stuff I mentioned earlier, we can use that stuff, but we cannot lean to it. Because there's a lot of groups, a lot of organizations even religion will use all those other things. But there are religions out there that don't lean to that. They lean more to the spiritual, even though I don't believe they're godly. But you'll find people being gravitated or uh, gravitating towards them because they know that there's got to be something more than all the natural. But those in the body of Christ, when we start to look at all the natural ways to build a business, we're not a business, folks. We're a body. We're a family. Is this how you build your family? By marketing? By a brand? By, yeah, you may budget and all that kind of stuff. That's all good. That's great. But is that how you build a family? you build a family through love, through relationship, and through knowing that you are part of something more than yourself. And so we are part of something more than ourselves. I am concerned that we are, are backing away from the one thing we have that nobody else has, and that is that understanding of the invisible world of the Spirit, of the power of God that's available there. We're we're leaning towards natural things. We we think that we can explain our way and explain people into the kingdom. I've heard it being said recently, and I'm all for being scholarly. I am, I'm not dumb, and I'm not uneducated, but I've heard recently there seems to be this thing where if we just be more scholarly, then people won't think we're so crazy. Well, if people don't think we're so crazy, then we're probably doing something wrong, and you are not going to bring the people into the kingdom because of your scholarship. Let me read you one more scripture kind of related to this. First Corinthians chapter one. If you read first Corinthians chapter one and chapter two, you kind of, you kind of put aside some of this thinking that says uh, education is the answer or scholarship is the answer or knowing uh, all the ends, all of the doctrine and all of the, I believe, listen, I, I research I, I, I think we need to know the cultures that the, the scriptures were written in. But I do want to know, uh, say this as well. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, but the Holy Spirit in Paul wrote to you. Hallelujah. And so let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22-25. And this kind of sets up what we're looking at in terms of whether, how we're going to reach the world and this idea of a childlike acceptance of the fact of the invisible, uh, supernatural, and that that is a real thing, that power is real, that that God is real, that world is real. I, I just I can't get away from the fact that we need to accept the fact that there's a world underneath or above. I, I, there's a very difficult way to say how that works, but that is in the same, operating in the same physical space, but not in the same spiritual space. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 22-25, but read the whole chapter and into the next chapter. It says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek wisdom. Signs aren't going to do it either. Just, just signs alone, just healings alone. Jesus drew people with healings. The, the early church drew people with healings. And I believe healing needs to become a part of what we're doing again. But once you, once you get their attention with the healing, Jesus always taught. Hallelujah. Paul taught, the apostles taught. So we need to give them the word, whether it's teaching or preaching, but giving them the word of God to go with the signs. But you see, the Jews, they just want the sign. But the Greeks, they seek after wisdom. We are descendant of the Greek way of looking at things. Our our scientific method, our political thinking, a lot of those things, our cultural thing, a lot of it is descended from, very different in some ways, but very similar in others, the Greek way of thinking. The Greeks seek after wisdom. They want to hear things, they want the deep wisdom, they want, or empirical evidence, scientific method, and all that goes back to the Greeks. So when he says wisdom, it's it's also knowledge. But we preach Christ crucified. "'To the Jews a stumbling block,' And to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Listen, we need to see what Paul is saying here. He was one of the most educated men of his day. He knew things that you and I probably don't know. He sat under the best teachers of his day, but he understood something. Just signs won't do it, and just this wisdom or knowledge, that's certainly worldly knowledge. In chapter 2 he says, to those who are of full age, I do teach knowledge, but I don't teach worldly knowledge. I teach the knowledge that comes from God, the same knowledge that the Jews think is foolishness. To the Greeks, fo- I mean the Jews, is a stumbling block, to the Greeks, they see this knowledge of God as foolishness. In our world, to believe in an invisible God is foolishness, but somehow to believe in ghosts and go some vampires is trendy and cool. I don't get it. But at any rate, we need to go back to a childlike acceptance. Now, there's a difference between childlike and childish. I'm going a bit long today, but it's important. Stay with me. Uh, To be childish means that I'm selfish. I don't see things uh, in in an adult way. I don't see things, I don't care about other people. If I'm a childish person, all I care about is me, myself, my needs, what I want. But that's okay if you're a child, right? I mean, so it's fine for the, for a baby to be that way. Three, four, and five-year-old is kind of fine for them to be that way, although you you begin to teach them not to be. And if they're still childish when you're 21, we've got a real problem. But childish and childlike are two different things. Childlike means to to simply accept the the reality of certain things without needing a whole lot of explanation a child simply accepts that their mother and father love them and are going to care for them even if it turns out not to be true As a little child, they don't know the difference. They don't know where the food comes from. They don't know how how we're going to get through the day. They don't know how we're going to get through the challenges. that we. They don't know any of that. They just have a childlike acceptance, a childlike view of life. In some ways, we don't want to be childish, but we do want to be childlike where our Heavenly Father is concerned and where the reality of the Spirit is concerned and where the power of God is concerned, that God really can still heal, that God really can still work miracles. That God really can still uh, work in our lives to bring about things that are beyond just our natural abilities. And sometimes they may look natural, but we need to have a childlike faith that says, even in the middle of what looks like a natural situation, I know God is at work. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that are really needful will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough to worry about. That's all that childlike kind of thinking that Jesus promotes throughout the gospels. Read through Jesus. I've been reading through the gospels again. It's really it's really been great. I've re- I can't tell you how many times I've read through them and and how many times I've preached out of sections, and yet just reading through and walking with Jesus, it really has been a blessing to me. Do that again. Read through the letters. Read through what Paul wrote. And, and read it not from a theological or, or even doctrinal perspective. Don't be looking for all the theology and doctrines in it. Just read it. Just see what it says. You know what? You'll find out that it is just as applicable applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago. Well, I'm over my time. I hope you don't mind. I try and keep it a little bit short because I know know you're just driving or whatever, but today I wanted to get across some things that I think are important. But have a great day in Jesus, and we will talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingword, I-N-T-G-R-E-E-N-E at gmail.com. Have a great day.